With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 20 of The Ghost Beyond the Gate by Mildred A. Wirt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 20. Accusations. Alarmed and excited by Mose Johnson's revelation, Penny glanced about for the policeman who had been assigned to watch the Deming mansion. The officer had taken cover somewhere and was not to be seen. "'Joe, drive as fast as you can to the airplane spotting station,' she ordered the cabman. "'I'll telephone the police from there.' As the taxi bounced along over the frozen road, the girls kept close watch for the yellow cab Mose Johnson had mentioned. They did not expect to overtake it. If the old colored man's story was accurate, the taxi bearing Mr. Parker had left the mansion at least a half hour earlier. Dad must have been spirited away immediately after I talked to him, Penny said. He's been drugged or something. Otherwise, he would have known me. But according to Mose, your father must have gone willingly with those men, Louise returned. That's the queer part. Of course, you're not certain the man is your father. Yes, I am, Penny insisted. I was almost sure of it earlier this evening. Now I know. Oh, Lou, something terrible has happened to Dad. Lou drew her chum into the hollow of her arm. Brace up, she said sternly. You're not going to cave in now, are you? Penny's slumping shoulders stiffened. She brushed away a tear. Of course I'm not going to cave in she replied indignantly. I'll find Dad. Tonight, too. En route to the airplane spotting station, the cab neither met nor passed any vehicle. Leaving Louise in the taxi, Penny clattered up the tower steps and burst into the overheated room where Salt Summers was making out a report. Her words fairly tumbled over one another as she told him what had happened. Will you notify the police for me? she pleaded. Of course. Salt assured her, reaching for a telephone. My relief's due in five minutes now, so I'll be able to join the search. While the photographer waited impatiently for a connection, Penny asked him if he had seen a yellow taxi pass the tower. Not since I've been on duty. The cab must have taken another road. Salt completed the call to the Riverview Police Station and was told that every radio-equipped cruiser in the city would be ordered to watch for the yellow cab. As he hung up the receiver, a low humming sound was heard outside the tower. Listen, commanded Salt, a plane! Distinctly, they both could hear the roar of a motor to the eastward. That's an unidentified ship, Salt declared, reaching for another telephone. Taking down the receiver, he said tersely, 
Army flash! And went on to report the position of the passing airplane. Penny had gone to the doorway. She could see the wing lights of the passing ship. As she watched, the lights descended in a steep glide. Salt! she called. The plane is landing! The photographer darted to the platform to see for himself. You're right! he exclaimed. It's coming down at the Deming estate. Mr. Deming is due home tonight from the east, Penny added. That must be his plane. Salt went inside to complete his report to headquarters. As he rejoined Penny, they saw a man trudging along the road toward the tower. My relief, said the photographer. I'm free to go. Gathering up his belongings, he followed Penny to the waiting taxicab. There, a brief conference was held. The girls were in favor of searching for the yellow taxi, but Salt pointed out that the chance of finding it was a slim one. He proposed that they return to the mansion and try to force information from Mrs. Botts. Detective Fuller had no luck, replied Penny. She has one story and she sticks to it. Her one fear is that she'll lose her job. Then this is the time to make things merry for her, urged the photographer. If Mr. Deming just arrived home, we'll toss a few firebrands around and find out what he has to say. The suggestion appealed to Penny. From the first, she had distrusted Mrs. Botts and felt that police had been entirely too lenient with her. All right, let's go, she agreed. If Mrs. Botts loses her job, I'm sure it's no more than she deserves. Joe drove the party once more to the Deming mansion. No policeman was in evidence near the premises. Actually, he had gone to the crossroads store to report to his superiors the arrival of Mr. Deming's airplane. But at the moment, Penny assumed the man was neglecting his duties. If this case is ever solved, we must do it ourselves, she declared, thumping on the front door. I'm in no mood to take any slippery answers from Mrs. Botts. After a long delay, the door was opened by the caretaker. Recognizing Penny and her friends, the woman sought to lock them out. Oh, no, you don't, said Salt, pushing her firmly aside. We want to see Mr. Deming. He's not here, Mrs. Botts replied nervously. Please leave me alone. Go away. Ignoring the plea, Penny, Louise, and the photographer walked boldly into the living room. A fire burned in the grate, and there were fresh flowers on the table. Where is Mr. Deming? asked Salt in a loud voice. Footsteps sounded on the circular stairway. A portly bald-headed man with a pleasant face came heavily down the steps. Did someone ask for me? he inquired. You're Mr. Deming? asked Salt. I am. Flew in from New York about ten minutes ago and was just changing my clothes. What may I do for you? I've been trying to tell these folks you can't see them tonight, Mr. Deming, broke in Mrs. Botts. You're too tired. Nonsense, replied the mansion owner impatiently. Sit down by the fire, everyone. Tell me what brought you here. Mrs. Botts began to edge toward the kitchen door. Observing the action, Salt called sharply. Don't go, Mrs. Botts. We want to talk to you in particular. I've nothing to say the caretaker retorted tartly. Sit down, Mrs. Botts, ordered her employer. For some reason, you have seemed very nervous since I arrived home tonight. 
It was upsetting to get your telegram so late, Mrs. Botts mumbled, sinking down on the sofa. Mr. Deming, began Penny, a great deal has happened here tonight. I intended to tell you about it myself, interrupted Mrs. Botts, addressing her employer. I've not had a chance. Be quiet, please, commanded Mr. Deming. Do continue, Miss... Parker, supplied Penny. She introduced Salt and Louise, then resumed her story. As the tale unfolded, Mr. Deming listened with increasing amazement. Now and then he focused his gaze upon the crestfallen Mrs. Botts, but he did not speak until Penny had finished. This is a very serious charge you've made against my housekeeper, he said then. Mrs. Botts, what have you to say? There's not a word of truth in it, the woman cried. Why, I've worked for you for ten years, Mr. Deming. I've been a loyal, faithful servant. Why should I deceive you by taking a stranger into the house? It does seem fantastic, replied the perplexed Mr. Deming. Miss Parker, what proof have you that these accusations are true? The proof of my own eyesight, Penny said quietly. For that matter, a number of persons saw the ghost wandering about the grounds. Mrs. Botts tossed her head. I've already explained that part. Frequently when I go outdoors, I put on your old white bathrobe, Mr. Deming. It's warmer than my coat. The ghost happens to be a man, Penny said. And here is something you don't know, Mrs. Botts. I was in this house earlier this evening while you were away. I talked with your mysterious rumor, and I'm satisfied it was my father. So you were here. Mrs. Botts cried angrily. Mr. Deming, this girl opened the telegram you addressed to me. I did indeed, admitted Penny, unabashed. Mr. Deming arose and, walking over to the fire, stood with his back to it. I confess I don't know what to say, he said. I've never had reason to distrust Mrs. Botts. Thank you, sir, the housekeeper smiled triumphantly. Penny realized that Mr. Deming was on the verge of swinging to Mrs. Bott's side. So far, the interview had gained nothing. She had told the entire story. There was no further information she could add. I suppose we may as well go, she said, looking miserably at Salt. Penny arose. Suddenly, her eyes lighted upon a small object lying half-hidden between the cushions of the sofa. Before Mrs. Botts realized what she was about, she had pounced upon it. Dad's spectacle case, she cried triumphantly. Opening the lid, she held up a pair of dark, horn-rimmed glasses. I'm sure I don't know where the case came from, Mrs. Botts stammered. When Dad reads on the sofa at home, he often loses his case between the cushions, Penny went on excitedly. Mrs. Botts, you thought you were very clever getting him away from here and removing all the evidence. A salesperson who wore glasses was here last week, the housekeeper began weakly. You can't talk yourself out of this, Penny cut her short. Mr. Deming, let me show you something. She reopened the lid of the case and pointed to the initials, A.P., engraved in gold letters. Anthony Parker, she said impressively. Dad had them stamped there because he lost the case so many times. Does this prove my story? It does, 
said Mr. Deming. Sternly, he faced the housekeeper. Mrs. Botts, you have deeply humiliated me. I shall turn you over to the police. Mrs. Botts began to weep. Stumbling across the room, she clutched her employer's arm. Please don't turn me away from here, she pleaded. Just give me a chance and I'll explain everything. Please, Mr. Deming, this time I promise to tell the truth. End of chapter 20